Welcome to the Connor's Corner segment of Ask the Lawyer. Many of you know, listening to our show, that we're always interested in history. It came to my attention a book, you know, about Detective Joseph Petrosino and, and the Black Hand. And we're very fortunate to have the author of the book on, Stephen Talty. How you doing? Welcome to Connor's Corner. I'm good. Good to be here. First, who was, who was Detective Petrosino? Joseph Petrosino was an immigrant, um, came over when he was a teenager to America. Um, and like many Italian immigrants at the time, took a variety of jobs to sort of make it in his new homeland. Um, but eventually he became a New York City detective. And he was the first Italian-American sergeant detective in the country. And, um, you know, just a fearless, non-corruptible, um, straight shooter, very intelligent, had a later in his career, he would have a wardrobe that was compared to the Metropolitan Opera. Because he would go in disguise, he could be a, a government worker, a Hasidic Jew, a ditch digger, and he used all these disguises to basically attack what became his, his lifelong nemesis, which was kind of the mafia before the mafia, and they were called the Black Hand. When I saw your book, I hadn't heard the term the Black Hand in I don't know how many years. What was the Black Hand? Well, the Black Hand really flourished in America more than Italy, and it was it started out as an extortion racket, where you would, you might get a letter in the the mail if you were an, uh, an Italian immigrant who'd made some money, if you were a grocer or a banker or something like that, and the letter might say something like, "I'm from your hometown. Congratulations on your success. I'm in need of some money." And if you refused, uh, the the notes would keep coming and they'd get more and more threatening. We're going to blow up your tenement building. We're going to kidnap your children. We're going to cut your head off. And um, it became a conspiracy where people would um, plant bombs in your in your stairwell or they would attack your children, actually kidnap them. Some of them never came back. And so they extorted money from their fellow Italian immigrants. And that's how it started. But then it spread not only throughout the country, but non-Italians started getting these letters, started getting, um, you know, extortion demands. And it became kind of all wrapped up with this fear of the Italian immigrant. It's this fear that Italians were not sort of going to be melted in the melting pot, that they were addicted to conspiracy and to violence and to crime. So it became sort of this moral panic where Italians were, you know, a real threat to the American way. And the black hand was kind of the, the point of the sword of that. Well, let me ask you something. Let's go back a little bit in history. How did Joseph Petrosino got his appointment uh, as a detective? Actually, it was Teddy Roosevelt. Roosevelt was a new police commissioner, um, and he saw the changing demographics of the city. He saw a lot of Italians coming in, and he saw a rise in um, Italian crime because many of the guys on the beat were either German or Irish. The, the Irish especially dominated the, the NYPD. They couldn't speak the language, and they also had contempt for these new Italian immigrants. Um, you know, if you remember that line from The Godfather, um, they're animals, so they have no souls. That was really how New Yorkers and Americans and the Irish-American cops looked at these Italian immigrants. So the crime was growing. They had no one on the force to sort of combat it. Joseph Petrosino was not only brilliant, but he spoke all the dialects from Italy. And he became sort of Roosevelt's handpicked guy in his apartment to sort of lead the charge on Italian crime. How did he attack the problem? What did he do? He, he attacked it in many ways. Um, he actually had many um, black hand suspects go into their local precincts and give a sample of their handwriting in the, in the way today that you might give a sample of your DNA. And if letters started coming in and they could match the handwriting 
to the sample they had, you'd be arrested. That was an innovation that Petrosino thought up. He would also um, go to the, the drops where people left money for these black hand members, pretending to be the victim, and then he'd arrest them. He did that with the famous Italian uh, opera singer Caruso, who'd been extorted several times by the, the black hand. So finally, Petrosino, who adored Caruso, actually went to the, to the drop, jumped on the two guys who had come to steal, to take the money, and arrested them. Um, but he also, Petrosino also, after much lobbying, formed something called the Italian Squad, which was six other guys, all speaking Italian, who would go into the neighborhoods where police were often feared, and they would sort of get tips, and they would talk to people who knew who the Black Hand members were. Um, and let me just give you one example of how sort of innovative the Black Hand was. They would actually get tellers at banks to inform on their customers. So if you brought in, you know, a large sum of money to deposit in the bank, um, and you told the bank, you know, the teller that you, you just received an inheritance or the money for your wedding had just come from Italy, that person would go to the head of the Black Hand, the gang in that area, and tell them, so-and-so just came into some money and you get a letter, you know, a week later. So it was really something that had infiltrated the entire Italian American community. And Americans really from coast to coast looked on it as a threat of what might become of our democracy if we didn't stop it. All right. So Petrosino's in charge. Did he have cooperation from the police department? They were, they were all on the same side, right? You would think so. But you know, a lot of the Irish American cops resented Petrosino. Um, they felt the NYPD was theirs. They, they, they often bought little police batons for their sons who were six or seven years old saying, you're going to become, become a cop too. So they felt that Petrosino and the Italians were almost stealing their birthright. These jobs were going to go to the Italians. So they didn't get very much support at all, the Italian squad. They, they couldn't get um, photos um, or photo lineups, things like that. And they were kind of frozen out of the power structure. So Petrosino was not only battling these Italian gangsters and these killers, he was also battling his own department for, for respect and for funds to, to continue his work. Detective Petrosino, what happened to him? Well, he really gave his life to fighting um, the Black Hand. But then uh, in 1909, um, they wanted to mount sort of a final offensive and get these, uh, get these gangsters out of America. And um, they chose Petrosino to actually go back to Italy to stop the flow of, of gangsters coming over on the ocean liners. And it was a hugely dangerous mission because Petrosino was known very well in New York. His picture was all over the newspapers. Um, and now he was sort of going into the, the heart of the heart of Italian crime. But he felt that it was going to be sort of the capstone to his entire career. And he had to do it. Um, you know, the Black Hand was kind of dirtying the name of Italians in America. So he went over there um, with a disguise, but with no backup. And he started collecting the names of these Italian um, killers and other criminals who had gone to America under false pretenses, either because they had um, fake names or they had a prison record or something. And um, so if he could track them down, get their real names, get their prison records, he could have them deported from America. But the Black Hand found out that he was in Italy and it was basically a, a transatlantic conspiracy to kill him. And in, in Sicily, in Palermo in the town square, um, he went to a meeting that he never came back from. He was shot 
died right there in Palermo, and his body was shipped back. You know, I know today there's a Detective Petrosino Association. Uh, can you tell me something about it? And, and he still has relatives alive in the in the New York City area. Yeah, he did. When when um, I started writing the book, I, I kind of looked to see if he had any descendants, and there were actually quite a few Petrosinos who followed in his tra- in his tradition and joined the NYPD. There was a a retired district attorney attorney in Brooklyn. There was a um, I believe he was a captain at the time in the, the Queens department. So um, not only his family had sort of taken inspiration, but a lot of Italian Americans had, um, had sort of appreciated the work he did because he changed the image of the Italian American in New York and in America, he was sort of the Jackie Robinson figure in that regard. So there is a Petrosino association. They, they meet every year. They choose a man of the year. They do a lot of good work in keeping his name alive. Um, I've gone to some of their banquets. Um, and Petrosino is still the only NYPD officer who was assassinated on foreign soil. He represents kind of, uh, you know, going beyond the call of duty. He did this not only for the NYPD, he, he gave his life really to, to improve the image of, of the Italians in America and to, to show Americans that they weren't only gangsters. They weren't only criminals. They were hardworking Americans who would give their life for the country. And I think uh, that's really why he's remembered. Was his life story ever turned into a film? There was a, a film in the 1950s where Ernest Borgnine, if you remember him, actually portray, portrayed a version of Petrosino. It was not his real life. Um, it's called Pay or Die. And it's kind of about the black hand, but it's heavily fictionalized. Um, that's, that's kind of my problem with that film. Um, my book has been optioned by Leonardo DiCaprio's company um, and Paramount Pictures, so we're hoping that the the kind of the true story of who Petrosino was and what he represented can sort of finally make it to the screen um, intact and and be authentic. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. Let me ask you: It wouldn't be your first book that uh, turned into a film, would it? No, I've had two others. Um, I wrote the book with Rich Phillips. Um, which became Captain Phillips with Tom Hanks, um, you know, about the hostage taking and the Somali pirates and the Navy SEALs who, who finally freed Captain Phillips. And there's another book, another memoir that I wrote um, with one of the, with the only survivor of the, uh, the fires that swept Arizona um, a few years back. One of these wildfires that are increasingly common in the West. Um, and they hit a place called Granite Mountain. And that's where, the guy I wrote it with, Brendan, was um, the lookout for for 20 firefighters. 19 of them died. Um, he was the only survivor, and he dealt with a lot of survivor's guilt. And that became a movie called Only the Brave, which came out, I think, two years ago. What are you working on now? I actually have a book coming out um, in April of next year. So it's, um, it's about the hunt for an escaped Nazi war criminal. Um, the story takes place in, in two eras, basically during the war in Latvia, which was a country that's kind of between Germany and Russia. And the Latvian Jews were, were trapped by the Nazi uh, occupation. And one of the sort of local uh, Latvians, actually he was a war, uh, an aviation hero. He'd actually become something called the Latvian Lindbergh. And he had been a friend to Jews before the war, but during it, he turned on them and became known as the Butcher of Latvia and killed, helped kill about 30,000 of Latvian Jews. So in 1965, 20 years later, 
the German government was thinking of, of, of uh, inaugurating an amnesty for all unindicted Nazi war criminals. So if anyone who was in hiding, who had done these terrible things, um, came under this, this statute of limitations, they would be free. They could never be prosecuted. And Israel wanted to stop this. So they decided to have their spy agency, Mossad, go after this one war criminal, um, the butcher of Latvia, get him to another country and, and assassinate him as an example of all these sort of Nazi monsters who were still out there. So that's the story of the book, how this happened, how it kind of changed history and also changed our perception of the Holocaust, really. Uh, let's get back to Detective Petrosino. You're not Italian, or are you? I'm not. I'm 100% Irish. Okay, so why did you decide to write a book about Detective Petrosino? You know, it's a good question. When I look back at my books, um, I guess the common refrain is that it's often one individual or a small group of individuals who go up against larger forces and change history. So I was reading a history of the NYPD, and I just came across one or two sentences about Petrosino. And I thought there must be a couple of really good books on this guy. I mean, the story is fascinating. And there really wasn't. There was, you know, kind of these fictionalized accounts and this movie with Ernest Borgnine that was not very good. So I just decided to kind of go into the original sources, into the archives and find the real story. So that's really what drew me toward it. This guy that in giving his life um, achieved something that seemed kind of impossible at the time. All right. Well, listen, thank you very much for, uh, you know, keeping history alive. Look forward to the book on the the Butcher of Latvia or whatever. Again, the name of the book we've been talking about today, The Black Hand, The Epic War Between a Brilliant Detective and the Deadliest Secret Society in American History. The author, Stephen Talty. Thank you for being on Connor's Corner. Thank you. Dore del mi
solo nelle strade voi che cercate di rubare sole a chi il sole non ce l'ha e mai l'avrà circospetto con doppio petto date l'impressione di un signore Di restare a guardare 